Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to NBC IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking about Nintendo. You guessed it because what? it is. Nintendo podcast, Nintendo voice chat. This week, we will be talking about a bunch of sales information, including sales information about the Nintendo Switch, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and a lot more. Also about how Nintendo reportedly just canceled 
Zelda Netflix series after it leaked, Monster Hunter Rise, IGN First content, and a lot more, including potentially Bayonetta 3 information. But, you know, you'll have to wait to hear that. Anyway, I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Seth Macy. Hello. Per Schneider. Good day. And Tom Marks. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. I have all of them, if you're watching this, to my right. So I'll be looking <laughs> over here, which looks like I'm looking away from them based on how we're laid out. But that is OK. Just pretend I'm looking at everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. How are you doing today? <laughs> Great. Lovely. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. I guess uh, let's get started. So the Switch has sold 79.87 million and that is a hell of a lot. And the yeah, Nintendo crazy. Switch Lite has almost surpassed the sales of the Wii U, just the Lite. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a, it's a big number. <laughs> it is a big it's, number. It's pretty incredible to just, like, think about the, the roller coaster ride that Nintendo has been on with the insane success of the Wii, the Wii and then the insane crater of the wii u not that again we have to caveat this every time we say this financially i still think that system was really fun right Wonderful. But like it was a mm -hmm. financial disaster or at least a, a sales disaster and now this is like they're on top of the world it's it's insane that trajectory it's really really yeah fun. i i think honestly i don't think it's hyperbole to say that in japan the console wars are over mm -hmm. um, yeah and no, it's it's the what was it so far this year? Ninety nine percent of all software sold in Japan was for the Switch, right? Eighty seven right? and like hardware was a Nintendo yeah. Switch. And, and what is important to note here is that Nintendo always dominated the handheld sector in Japan, and that market has turned away from consoles quite a bit, right? And so, in a way, it's a sad story, right? If the PS5 doesn't succeed in Japan, that's a bummer, because we might get um, fewer titles for that platform from Japanese dev studios, or maybe they'll they'll be serving more kind of like the Western taste, but either way, something could be lost. But, um, I mean, it's obviously really good for the Switch, so I looked. I looked at the data. Um, there, Nintendo is still expecting to sell 2.4 million units um, in this fiscal year. Remember, their fiscal year ends in March. It's not a calendar year, which means the entire year for Nintendo would be 26.5 million. So that stacks up with how the Wii did back in its heyday. Like the, I think the fourth year for the Wii was like something around 25 million. So the Switch will be doing better than the Wii. However, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people are ignoring, at the same time, Nintendo back then sold 31 million DSs, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have these handheld, the handheld and the console lines are combined into one. And so it's not exactly the same scenario. And so fewer pieces of hardware are being sold in Japan um, because we, we have a one console race now. Mm -hmm. But um, what it means, like uh, at the end of the year, you know, I mean, first of all, at the end of the quarter, you'll be seeing the the Switch probably clocking at 82 million sold world, worldwide, which means it is ahead of the PSP, which was a big success in Japan. It's ahead of the GBA, which was a big success everywhere. And it's right behind the Xbox 360. So at the end of the oh, year, wow. we'll probably see the Switch ahead of the 360 and the PS3. And I also wanted to mention that New Horizons has reached 31.18 million sold. So it is it's very close behind the best-selling yeah. game so far, which is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is at 33.41 million, which I know we've talked about before because this is a Wii U game, which yeah. is crazy. So we might actually see a made-for-Switch game 
uh, take over the first slot sometime this year. Will the wonders never cease? A game <laughs> specifically made for the Nintendo Switch and not the Wii U first. Yep. We, we talked about the blessing and the curse of Mario Kart 8 selling so well because it's like Nintendo has less incentive of cranking out Mario mm-hmm. Kart 9, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, they think that they can do those numbers again with the Mario Kart 9 with completely different tracks and all that. I feel like people would have to, right? And I know. Um, of course. I, I'm sorry to bring this up out of the blue, but I, I saw you guys talking about how Luigi's Mansion 3 has sold more than a lot of Zelda games in the past. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, i think that's i think that's great. really cool i mean <laughs> luigi's mansion 3 again if you are one of the one of the switch owners who listens to this podcast and does not has not played it you're making a huge mistake like there's a reason nintendo bought that studio the last game is a huge step up from the original luigi's mansion which was developed in-house by nintendo and a huge step up over the the second game so i, I think that's really cool that we're seeing this sort of success on you know mario's little brother and uh or tall brother whatever he is <laughs> basically the the seth macy of the mario family oh gosh um it's, it's true when i jump, know it's, i actually float yeah I, i've noticed that <laughs> um no i think it's really really cool i am and one I'll, of those switch owners who has not played luigi's mansion 3 so God. i know I think that it's I'm good i think it's worth it it's really You're funny not my yeah, you're not my Super Nintendo anymore. <laughs> oh no! I just haven't gotten around to it, Pam. I'm a very busy. Do it. Man. It's make, uh, make it's worth you it. Play at co-op. It's worth it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, kit. Oh, play and with I just, kit. I still have some gift card left uh, on my Amazon, so maybe I'll yeah. purchase that for myself. <laughs> it's worth it just for the animations. Like artistically, it's really cool. And uh, last, I wanted to mention about so the top five selling Switch games are now um, obviously. Um, New Horizons, Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Breath of the Wild, and Pokemon Sword and Shield, which has now reached 20.35 million. This does not include the DLC and expansion pack sales. We I don't they actually haven't revealed that, which is interesting because I am curious to see how many people bought those. But this is now the best-selling Pokemon since gold and silver. Doesn't mean it has sold more than gold and silver, but is the first to surpass 20 million since gold and silver, which is pretty incredible uh, especially considering all of the dissent around this game before it even launched and it still yeah. sold incredibly well i mean i still hold yeah. by the fact that it, it was a really fun game to play and i think the expansion made it made it better it's just a fun game it has a lot to it um but wow that's interesting i wonder i just i, mean, I didn't expect that i guess no yeah and it's is it a testament to, to how popular the switch is it, it's that, but also I think it's a testament to a little bit of what Pear was talking about, which is the combination of the handheld and the console, yep. right? This is yeah. this is a handheld series that now has a platform that is bigger than the the 3DS, right? And like that's that's pretty significant. Um, additionally, like it's always easy to forget when you're. Uh, on the internet a lot that a lot of those like controversies are can sometimes be from a very vocal passionate minority rather than like something that will affect sales where like probably the vast majority of the people who play any pokemon game don't really care about a full national decks as is and like the people who do care about that i understand they care about that as very passionate about it and i i i empathize with the people who are sad about lacking that but like when it comes to a wide wide audience 
a lot of the things that I think about or we focus on or people will be vocal about online uh, just doesn't really matter to the people who are just like buying games a lot more sparsely, not reading about them on places like IGN and just sort of playing them. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a yeah. big kid audience, obviously, for Pokemon, right? But yeah, we're seeing we're seeing certainly the handheld gaming audience moving to Switch as a you know as as a primary console. So um, I mean, we'll probably see Pokemon iterations right more often now, and now the Switch is the home of the franchise. Yeah, I am ninety nine percent sure there is a new Pokemon game coming this year, just based on <laughs> year. just Bold. just based on the cycle and considering it is a big anniversary for Pokemon this year, which we will talk about more on Pokemon Day, uh, which is coming up. Wow, way sooner than I thought at the end of February. So we'll you talk mean, about that you- then. You mean besides Pokemon Snap, right? Yeah, besides Pokemon yeah. Snap. Like, <laughs> Pokemon Wait. Snap is coming. I meant a core, some kind of core game. Right. <laughs> but but when you say new game, when you say new game, you mean old game. Maybe a remake of an old game. There you go. Maybe yeah. both. Probably not both. Pro- maybe a remake Please. of the old game and an announcement of another core game in the future. But Pokemon we'll see. Those gun. are those are my... Pokemon gun. <laughs> oh, God. Those are well, my look, predictions. <laughs> If, if if the switch follows the same trajectory as the as the Wii in sales, the upcoming fiscal year should be Nintendo's most successful one for the console. But again, like the switch could be breaking all rules because it it, it combines the the handheld uh, market. It, I'm actually I'm curious to see like the the success of the the switch is despite a slowdown in software, right? Like Animal Crossing obviously was a huge engine of this growth. But we didn't get like something like a Breath of the Wild, mm. um, you know, and, and we didn't get the kind of follow through in, 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 at the holiday season that we've seen in previous years for the Switch. So if that happens this year, this could be a humongous year. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, if if the trajectory holds, Nintendo, the Switch will pass the original PlayStation in sales. We'll see if it ever can uh, unseat the PS4, which is, I think, at like 115 million units sold. So like 35 million off from that one that's it with numbers i shut up yeah no 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 and lastly i just wanted to mention some other recent titles that also saw success from april 1st to december 31st 3d all-stars with 8.32 million origami king with 3.05 million age of calamity which got 2.84 million and this one that one just came out at the end of november so it only this is only a month of sales and this is actually the best-selling uh muso game on the switch so far and then Pikmin 3 Deluxe got 1.94 million, which is the best-selling Pikmin, which I also did not expect. Oh, my mouse died. Oh, that's good. Sad face. Oh, it's okay. I have this touchpad over here that I can. Nope, no, I can't move that forward without messing with my microphone. It's all good. I'll figure it out. So, <laughs> all right, show, show's over. Show's over. Mouse is dead. Everything's done. Bye. No. Anyway, we were just talking about the Nintendo Switch console sales, how they have passed the 3DS. Animal Crossing New Horizons have sold 31 million copies and a lot more about that. But moving on to some potentially sad and surprising news, Nintendo reportedly canceled that rumored Zelda Netflix series after it leaked. So that was surprising. So just to clarify, this is because this was something I was confused about. This is like an old rumored netflix show this was like 2015 that this was rumored right yes like recent no it's been rumored for for years okay yeah it was when netflix was was resourcing a lot of production and was starting to experiment with game franchises um 
it, I, I, I forgot. I think Variety um, uh, had the story. At the time, I was like, ah, really? Is that, that sounds too good to be true. Um, and then over, you know, afterwards I figured, oh, maybe, maybe it makes sense like Castlevania, like an animated a adaptation, but, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to hear that there was more chatter and that it got canceled rather than that this was a, a wrong rumor. But I, th I think the question now is why did it get canceled? It seems very weird to say oh. that because word got leaked, Nintendo canceled it. Um, that sounds Oh, no. It does, doesn't it? And by the way, if you are watching this on YouTube or on IGN.com, the footage that you are seeing is not a real trailer. This was the April Fool's trailer from <laughs> IGN right. in 2008. So sorry yeah. if we got you, Good but <laughs> um, but jokes on yeah. all of us though, because there was going to be a show, and now there's I, never going to be a show. I I honestly think it's much more likely that Nintendo wanted to deepen its relationships with uh, its relationship with Universal. And in the end, you know, it sounds like there was a, a stop motion Star Fox thing happening, right? That in the end, they just said, all right, let's forget about that. Or, I mean, frankly, they weren't happy with the direction. And that story oh. is not that story is not unique because um, a, a friend of mine worked on uh, on the Metroid movie with John Woo, which got canceled many many years ago and he said the challenge was always they this was around the time when metroid prime 2 was coming out right um the challenge was always that the character didn't have a lot of backstory there was no the baby yet and um so the writers would always go to nintendo and say like oh hey this is we figure we give her this backstory and nintendo always said no no and they were getting really really worried to the point where the studio said it's really hard to turn this into a movie if we can't tell the audience anything about Samus, right? If she's literally just a cipher in a suit and then it broke apart and never got made. Yeah, yeah. another so uh, maybe big problem with that Metroid movie was the actresses kept getting injured trying to roll up into a morph ball. Yes. <laughs> very yeah, physically it was, tasking. It was very... <laughs> That's why it was canceled. It's yeah. too hard on the, really on the actors' bodies. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, there have been really bad animated adaptations of Zelda before. It's which is oh, not worth. I yeah. it wasn't good. Is, <laughs> there is there is another story here somewhere. Yeah, and I, it's I, not I would, it's not unprecedented like for Nintendo to just pull a last minute change of heart. Uh, like like let's look at the Sony PlayStation deal. PlayStation that fell apart <laughs> very last second, and they went with Philips, and you know we we know how that mm -hmm. ended. No, I'm thinking I'm thinking pairs right the Nintendo wanted to do more with universal because uh, that's who they worked with on detective pikachu correct am i right about that i think so but the, and the I, thing, what, well the other thing this got me thinking about was like how leaks differ between hollywood and games because this is the one part of this that i do kind of like i understand why nintendo would maybe freak out about leaks because like leaks in the game industry are serious right like they're big deals to a certain extent of like if a project gets leaked like people kind of freak out and get in trouble for it sometimes whereas like leaks in the movie industry are basically just called press releases right like they, they <laughs> use them as marketing a lot of the time they you know there's a lot of back alley kind of conversations about like you know news getting out there in kind of unofficial capacities and then studios won't confirm that news for like a year but it is true like that sort of thing and so like i this is the part of this story and i'm not saying anything 
pair you guys are saying is I disagree with. It's just like mm-hmm. that is the part of the story that I could understand or I could see Nintendo reacting to a leak in a drastic way that Hollywood not would not be used to, right? But the games industry like kind of just has a different take on leaks to a certain extent. Yep. Um, Nintendo announced a partnership with Universal in 2015. Um, okay. You know, so uh, again, yeah, like I feel like there's more at play. Like maybe yeah. the word, the the story getting leaked that Nintendo was working with Netflix on some stuff um, or other production houses, maybe that got in the way of a deeper partnership and they were still developing it. And so they said, you know, we're out. It, we're gonna I do just, this I we just, don't have Netflix on Switch. Somebody could be a real because they pulled they pulled Zelda and now Netflix is like screw you Nintendo no you can't have us but no I was if you saw me make that weird face a couple of seconds ago it's because I just remembered that duh Nintendo is having a park at the Universal Studios like just huge blank well in a Mario movie right in a Mario Mario movie yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, but so I know we talked about this oh yes. I know. I just. I hope we'll eventually get a Zelda movie from somebody who knows what they're doing. But it could easily, and I, that that's where I agree with Nintendo's fears. It could easily be turned into a crappy Uwe Boll production, right? Where it's just it looks <laughs> cheesy, or, um, you know, it, it could it could look good. Like the The Witcher, I feel like was not a great adaptation. But it still was, it was good of enough. A high quality in yeah. general, right? Like it, it looked good. It had good monsters and all of that. And like, um, but The Witcher is also I more I hope an adaptation n- of the books than it is the game. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But I, I, I hope Nintendo is okay with an adaptation of Zelda. Um, and obviously, a animated series would would be pretty easy to get the look and feel of the of the uh, games right, right? Uh, honestly. So. I'm of the opinion that pro- I don't really want to see a video game adaptation movie of any video game where the protagonist is silent. Mm. Like, I just don't I know that's a challenge, right? I feel like that would almost always be feel weird, yeah. <laughs> like to watch to see them talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't that's... really know what a, a movie where Link is talking and has normal dialogue would like. Like, how would I feel about that character at that point? Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just I'm not opposed to it. It's just not something I need. I remember when uh, Breath of the Wild was ramping up and they were talking about there's voice acting and Connor, my son, was like, oh, I don't... Because there was like a rumor that Link was going to have like, you know, like lines and stuff. Connor's like, I don't want Link to talk. I'm Link when I play the game, so I don't want that. So yeah, I think that makes a huge challenge for a movie when, you know, the main character of the game is a stand-in for the person playing the game. I feel like Breath of the Wild did a fairly good job at telling a story without the protagonist talking, so... Who's to say that an animated series or a movie couldn't do the same where you were following the main character, but the stories are told through the tertiary characters that he meets along the way, right? So it's not necessarily about the person doing the things. You could still have really awesome action scenes. You can see him listening in on conversations and hearing what is happening. You never really know what he's thinking, but I think that enhances the character's mystery, right? it's doable i I mean watch watch a clint eastwood western like the the sergio leone ones he has like what 10 lines in each movie or even or even fury road right fury road tom hardy's max doesn't talk for like the first like 30 minutes of that movie or something and even when he does it's like barely any dialogue it just is like i don't look at at 
Clint Eastwood Stranger or Max in Fury Road and go, oh, that's a Link-like character, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Brooding, quiet characters. But you're right. No, Link is more Legolas, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Link is Legolas, so... Yeah. That's how I always kind of thought of it, to be totally honest. Yeah. But I guess, so we kind of talked about it, and we have mentioned it before, but real quick, like one or two sentence elevator pitch of your perfect Zelda... TV or movie adaption? Oh. For me, it would be an, an animated series. Uh, I, I would love it uh, seen like done anime style, like traditional 2D animation. None of that, you know, 3D Barbie look that we're seeing in, in all the movies now. And, and honestly, uh, you know, maybe center it around the events of a um, just like the, 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 man, the manga ad- adapted the, the different games into stories, like do an adaptation where you have a link to the past season or That'd Breath of the Wild season. I have that set right over there, too. It's so glorious. Yeah. I would love that. It's awesome, right? You know, I'm, yeah. you know, thinking about it more, I watched an anime last year called Somali and the Forest Spirits, and the main character doesn't really show any emotion or talk, and they explore stories in exactly the way i mentioned where they tell smaller stories through the people that he meets along the way and not necessarily it's not necessarily his story until the very end but something like that i think would do very well the anime style 2d animation like ghibli like yeah it would absolutely have to i would i do not want to see a live action no tom you said you wanted baz lerman to adapt it into a musical right (laughs) <laughs> I, want, I want Baz Luhrmann to adapt Tingle's story into a musical. Specific. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, that's 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 where that thought went. So that's my pick. Oh, I changed my mind. I, okay, a live action one, as long as it's like that. Uh, Link to the Past, Super Nintendo or Super Famicom commercial where they're, where singing they're all dancing. dancing. Oh, the tech dance dancing. Yeah. Oh, I see. Amazing. All right, I'm. Okay. Oh, but done in the style of an 80s movie. Yes, it has to be real yeah, the, cheese. Filmed on the good news, the good news, Seth, is you can make that yourself. That is true. Uh, keep an eye on Kickstarter, folks, for the... Get to I work. $1.5 million. All right, perfect. Remember, go look for that Kickstarter that Seth is going to start so you, can, <laughs> you too can see an 80s-style Zelda movie. But we were just talking about how the Zelda Netflix series was reportedly canceled after it leaked. Is that really true? Who knows? Didn't get to the bottom of it during that conversation. We never will. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, The Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want 
I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. But let's talk about some more news. First of all, this month for IGN's first, where we cover a bunch of exclusive content, is Monster Hunter Rise. Tom and I, unfortunately, couldn't get hands on ourselves because, you know, that whole pandemic thing prevents people from, you know, traveling to other countries like Japan. But luckily, we have IGN Japan, who has been doing a great job at being able to get hands on and get a bunch of footage, including the newest footage is a exclusive gameplay with Somnicanth, which is a new mermaid wyvern monster in the Frost Islands. And in that gameplay, we saw a Zamite. And here's some exclusive key art that we got to reveal today that's in our article called um, How Monster Hunter Rise Appeals to Newcomers. So Tom, I shared this article with you earlier because we were recording this before it's published, but it will be published by the time you are watching and or listening to this. So some uh, some cool stuff. I don't know. Look at this art. It's pretty neat. Somnicans. As a as a monster hunter fan, because to us it's just any old mermaid wyvern, <laughs> <laughs> purple haired <Yeah>. gold beast. <laughs> this thing. I, as a monster hunter fan, how how do you like it? I I liked the design of it, and then when I saw it in combat action, I was like, it does this little move where it like knocks a little stone on its chest, like a like an otter or an oyster. Yeah, it does. Yeah, cracking an oyster. And I look at this like purple maned gold dragon thing, and then it like gets on its back and adorably cracks an oyster (laughs) open. And I'm like, what's going on? So like that part was weird, but otherwise, I think it, it is a really cool new design and. I'm excited to see kind of more of the new stuff that they do in this game because the theme that they've picked allows for some really weird, cool monsters in the theme of the one from the demo Mizutsune, who's not new, I, I'm pretty sure, but it's, yeah. it's like in that sort of world as Somnicanth of like this weird sort of colorful, vibrant, strange thing is just really cool to me. 
it does it does really cool things i mean it, it basically it uses tools to do different effects for itself like it can heal itself but it also can accidentally throw stuff out that heals the hunters kind of like what mizutsuni does but yeah all about different shells when it cracks them open which is really cool um yeah. It, it, do, it can do blast. It can use flash pot. It's not necessarily flash pods, but it does that effect. It's a really cool monster, and uh, everyone should go check out that gameplay. The person is using dual blades, and it's actually it's very it's decent. It's good. It's good gameplay. Go check that out. Um, but in the <laughs> probably the developer. <laughs> no, no, it's actually one of um. I think um, his name is Ezra, who wrote the article yeah. we're about to talk about. I know that they they played a bunch of these quests over and over again to kind of learn the monster a little bit better and be able to uh deliver to us this awesome awesome footage in the new area the frost islands as well which is the first look at that and the first time i've seen the mini map which is really cool but also uh let's talk about some stuff we learned in this ign first article how monster hunter rise appeals to newcomers so we learned in this article that village quests have reduced difficulty and village quests will be your single player solo only quests that's what i assume it's actually not totally confirmed that they are single player only. I hope to clarify that in the near future. But in past Monster Hunter games, that's how it's always been. Your village quests have been your solo only. You cannot play multiplayer in them. So the, that difficulty is reduced. So it should be easier for people to get into it by playing it. We also learned that you will need less materials to upgrade weapons because the producer Ichinose-san said that players generally don't diversify their weapon usage when they play through the story because it takes so much materials to upgrade them so now it'll be easier to upgrade a couple of different weapons simultaneously so you can switch between them as you're playing through your first playthrough and also um which I, another thing i thought was interesting this is actually a common suggestion from other monster hunter fans but each knows he said that the long sword is probably the best beginner weapon now and he says it used to be the sword and shield but now maybe the long sword because it's easier to get a, a string of combos off together but yeah i'll what start do you... with that <laughs> <laughs> i always thought the longsword was super super hard like we had a tutorial in for monster hunter world and it was like i don't know like six thousand words long or something but i don't know things change <laughs> tom what do you think about this new information easy to learn hard to master right that's the yes. stereotypical thing you mm -hmm. say i mean i always recommended the dual blades to folk because if you're not used to the pace of Monster Hunter, it's the most forgiving in terms of dodging out of moves, right? Mm -hmm. Your attacks are a lot shorter and quicker, and you can, you can, it, it's a lot more forgiving in, in compared to something like a heavy weapon where, like, you have to perfect, like, you have to line up that attack and, like, commit to it. Um, but I, it's cool to see. I mean, the longsword, I know the community has been talking about the longsword in the demo as well, is like, if you look at all like the speed run, people are speed running the demo, of course, because they're crazy and they yeah. love proving what else themselves are you do? this game. Yeah. And so uh, the the speed runs for the longsword, I believe, are like the fastest by like a full minute almost when, in that Mizutsune fight. So like it's it's a super cool weapon for sure. And I think it's probably, as the devs are saying, pretty strong as well. I'm just I really dig this this article too, this whole interview you did, because like it so clearly lays out how the philosophy of Monster Hunter has changed, but also has not in a lot of ways because of World and like because of how much World streamlined. It's very clear that they're not 
ever going back right as you said casey yeah like, they they made changes to the fundamentals of monster hunter that got so many new people in the door and made it so much more accessible to people that like how, how do you you can't undo that to an extent right you can't mm-hmm. close that box once you've opened it and i'm really glad about that because i'm one of those people who you know couldn't get into monster hunter in earlier games and then loved world because of how accessible it was and i'm really interested in some of the new things rise is doing like reducing materials to upgrade weapons because that's a problem i had is i pick my weapon tree and i just kind of go down it at mm-hmm. least at the beginning right and then they still have that sort of grindier high-end world it's just at the end of the game where it should be if yeah. you want to keep playing i think it's really smart and i think it's very um it, it shows that the devs have their ear to the ground in a very real way i think yeah yasunari ichinose even brought up another thing as well like if you want to keep monster hunter rise as difficult and challenging as possible you also have the option to just not pick up the endemic life buffs that they have scattered throughout the map so you can kind of control your own difficulty in that way where if you want it to be easier and more forgiving you can go and pick up the buffs before fighting the monster and if you want it to be more difficult and really challenging you could just ignore them and not pick them up i guess Mm -hmm. the same could be said with your consumable buffs and everything but getting a little bit in the weeds right now but (laughs) no i'm i'm very much looking forward to this game and we have a lot more about monster and arise coming out this month so definitely look out for that including uh later today we got some exclusive new images so look for that on ign and by the way if you have comments about how Monster Hunter is becoming more, quote, accessible. I want to know what you think. There will be a poll in this article, How Monster Hunter Rise Appeals to Newcomers on IGN.com today, probably right now as you're reading, as you're listening and or watching this podcast. So go participate in that poll. I want to see what you think. So we were just talking about IGN's Monster Hunter Rise exclusive information. And now we're going to talk about Bayonetta 3 because Hideki Kamiya said, what? quote, safe to expect news this year it's it was kind of um an interesting story i think it was the interview from vgc where hideki kamiya who is of course um at platinum and creating bnet banana three says it's not really our position to say but it's january we've got to have something come out right i guess it's safe to expect that something will come out there's still a lot of the year left is what i'm saying yeah and they continued, my suggestion would be that maybe we should all reset and forget about Bayonetta 3. Then when something finally does happen, it will be a nice surprise, won't it? Well, the good news <laughs> is, Kemia, is that I actually did forget about Bayonetta 3. So this will be a nice surprise. Not not because I'm not like excited. I love like Bayonetta 2 is one of my favorite games. I think probably the game that I played on Wii U the most was actually Bayonetta. Oh, wow. Too, so, yeah. I got real hung up on trying to S rank like the, the I, I'd never actually beat it. I just, yeah, I, it's one of those Seth Macy things, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm real excited, you know, and then they didn't. And it, as soon as the interview ended, he just blocked them all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Block. Um, they, they, they didn't say anything about Bayonetta all of 2020, which is crazy. Like, zilch, right? Like they announced this as a, you know, a, a logo teaser, and then it just disappeared. But you, know, you can also say that about Metroid. So, and I also, I know, also know, Platinum still has that like four dot dot com website where they oh, yeah. are announcing things. And the first one was the Wonderful One Hundred One. 
and um we have an original title there's just a a bunch of stuff coming out they've been watching busy. the b-roll get so excited even though this is a game that i played a million times already <laughs> for those who aren't watching there's a five there's a fifth one there now Huh. Yeah, Platinum, Platinum's been busy, man. It's it's really cool to see them be so busy, especially after um, the Wonderful 101 thing kind of signaled that they like are making decisions as a company that they want to be making, right? Like they, they're looking for a little bit more independence from publishers and stuff, and they're looking to kind of drive their own projects a little bit more. And it's cool to see that both work out for them once already, and also that they have more stuff and they've got more to talk about. And they're not like... Like, that's the thing about this interview is like, yeah, it's not really like a ton of information. It's kind of cool that we're going to might hear something this year. But like, it is at least signaling like they're just still they're they're doing their thing, right? Like, this isn't like a cry for help or like sort of coded like stuff's not going well, right? Like, it's 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 a cool just sort of like update to be like, oh, yeah, cool. They're, they're doing OK. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the point where we met. We remind everybody to look up. Uh, we did a feature seven, six years ago called um, Inside, uh, what was it? Inside Hideki Kamiya's Secret Arcade. Uh, we did a, an article and a video. If you haven't read that or watched that, watch that. It's really, really cool. I actually Search have for, it. Yeah. In, Inside Hideki Kamiya's Secret Arcade. Watch that. I think he's probably like the coolest game developer out there he's just like i mean just as like a cool dude like there's that great picture of him and like i think it's his mom and she's a very you know traditional conservative you know japanese mom looking woman and then he's like wearing a leather suit and he's like yeah pumping his fist like he just you know jumped off of a motorcycle and killed some demons before he sidled up to his mom for a photograph just a cool guy is what i'm saying i mean he said his dream project was scalebound so i am apt to believe that because i desperately want scalebound to still happen so <laughs> that sounds like my dream game too please make it someday maybe uh, it'll be back uh, well anyway we're just talking about bayonetta 3 how it's <laughs> safe to expect news this year from it but not scalebound but apex legends is coming to the nintendo switch in march which is very cool very cool first person shooter really good graphics not totally sure how it's going to look or run on the switch but it does they did say they it will have full feature parity with other versions it's coming march 9th it will launch cross-platform functionality season 8 content and switch players who purchase the season 8 battle pass will receive 30 battle pass levels for free and for those unfamiliar with battle how battle pass systems work uh basically there's a free line and a purchased line and as you play you will increase your battle pass rank and each rank unlocks new stuff like cosmetics and emotes and different things like that and that's pretty cool yeah there you go but it's a great game tom tom do you think like there there seem to be a, a bunch of multiplayer shooters that are coming to the switch and that i are are being ported do you think it's that those games are designed with a really big player base on PC in mind. And so they're developing those games already to scale visually and graphically. Mm. Um, and that's why we're seeing, seeing, seeing these ports to the switch. It's a, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, like the, the thing about a lot of these games too, is that especially with a game like apex and, and I don't play it on apex. So like, people who have or can correct me if i'm wrong here but like visual readability is really really important in these games right and 
yep. especially at long distances. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, if you look at something like Overwatch, like the graphics are not overly complex already because they intentionally have kept them very simple with kind of blocky colors. Not saying Overwatch looks bad or, or yep. low res yep. or anything. It's just that you can skip like this was like one of the classic things where like a lot of pro FBS players, like pro CSGO players, play on the lowest possible settings because yep. they want the game to be as laggy, lag free and as clutter free as absolutely possible. Right. So like yeah, these games look really good and you want games to look really good, but they are also it's a genre that can survive with much lower fidelity and can even in some cases be better with simpler fidelity. And so, like, I think that probably is to its benefit. Yeah, and then the the, the studio, again, tasked with the port is one that's probably familiar to Switch fans. It's Panic Button, right? These guys have... Uh, adapted Rocket League for the Switch. They've adapted Warframe to the Switch. Um, they've done Doom, Castle, uh, Wolfenstein. So they've Good track and, and they most recently, yeah, they they most they they're obviously uh, very tech focused. Um, uh, you know, kind of a really focused on porting games and getting the most out of the hardware. They did the uh, the optimization for Series X for Forza Horizon Four as well. So I, I think it's the port is in good hands. And you know, one of the big things that developers are using to great effect is uh, is resolution scaling, right? So in order to keep frame rates and visual fidelity high, especially on a smaller screen like the Switch, it is forgiving if you drop down the resolution a notch, right, when the going gets tough. And so I think uh, I think it's cool to see... Uh, to see these big multiplayer shooters uh, land all land on Switch. Yeah. And and it, this is less true for Apex Legends, but at least in what you were saying with Warframe, like it's also you got to remember Warframe was a PS4 launch game, right? Yeah. And they they've taken the Digital Extremes has taken the kind of MMO approach of like we never want to upgrade the game visually in a way that then makes the people who started playing it then no longer have a PC that can run it. Like they don't want to hmm. age anyone out with updates. And so that game, not saying it's easy, hmm. but can more handily be ported to a hardware like the Switch because it already needs to run on older systems, like you were saying. If you look at the list of the most played games in the world, um, I don't think there's a visually like the 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 most visually exciting taxing games are simply not in the top. 25 like they're just not there right like it is in order to get in front of a mass audience and get them to play for a long time um the games are a little simpler looking now obviously with the new consoles and bigger hardware and all of that that things are going to notch up a step and we're obviously expecting there to be some sort of a switch upgrade in the uh, in the future to uh, keep pace with it but yeah there is still a whole bunch of games that are very very big out there that have not landed on switch you know, you, you say that, pair. You say it's going to notch up, but uh, who won the console wars in Japan? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, but in the West, you know, they're definitely uh, uh, the new, the they're- PlayStation 5 especially is off to a good start. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Getting more and more popular games on the Switch, including Apex Legends. Oh, yeah, and I just wanted to mention Apex Legends is not cross progressions you will not be able to bring your apex legends account from a previous system and continue off from where you left off on the switch it will have to be a new account but that's true for all of the different platforms so you know i'm just gonna brush by that it's totally fine (laughs) but 
Let's talk about games that are out this week. We have Tom on who has a few games that he would like to mention, including the first one on here, Cultus Simulator. Out on the second for $20. Yeah, Cultus Simulator is this very weird, cool tabletop card game. It basically feels like a solo card game, uh, but digital and with all these very weird things. Uh, and you, it, it's a very strange game. I just recommend anybody who's into games look at it because you'll know pretty quickly whether this is the type of game that you're going to really like or just not be interested in um but it's 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 a very very cool one and this comes with all the dlc that was has been released for other platforms is it for people who are into stuff like netrunner or is it more into for people who um are into kind of the weird occult and all of that no if anybody who's anybody who's played the arkham horror living card game in real ah, life uh will probably love this game it is very occult themed and it is not to be clear it's not a competitive card game like hearthstone it is single player it is Mm -hmm. a actually kind of story driven game to a certain extent it's just oh cool very weird (laughs) cool and then we also have on this list canarium am i pronouncing that right on the fourth for twenty dollars which is today so it's on now yeah Tom? You're waiting for oh, Tom to say wait, something yeah, because it's says- <laughs> just a like a Lovecraftian first person horror game that came out a few years back that was fairly well received. Just not a ton of games like this that visually look like this on Switch. So if you're into horror, it's another one to, to try. I think, we, I think this um, developer is coming out with a, another another game in the future that is I think I'm just recalling back in Gamescom. It feels like it's been years since we did that mm-hmm. really it was just a couple of months ago but yeah i'm pretty sure they're coming out with another game with the same kind of vibe uh later this year for the pc but anyway also coming out this week which is available now is haven for 25 dollars. this is a co-op action story game about a couple stranded on an alien planet i'm very interested in this uh, ign gave it uh kyle campbell gave it an eight out of ten which is eight for great looks cool i've been i was looking at this um earlier but i don't really know much about it i kind of wait to be able to play it yeah it's a very pretty game and it doesn't have to be played co-op but um it it can be and if you do it's sort of like it's got this really interesting like rpg-esque combat system but you and your partner pick attacks at the same time so you can like coordinate but all the attacks have like a lead up so you can like coordinate your moves really interestingly it's it's pretty cute that sounds cool i i look forward to playing that yeah that'll be fun and also about this week is Blue Fire, which was reviewed by our very own Wiki's friend, Brendan Graber, who gave it an 8 out of 10. It's a 3D action platformer, sort of a mix of Zelda and Hollow Knight. And that is a Tom keyword. So. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look at this game, Brendan, Brendan basically described it. I haven't been able to play it myself yet, but Brendan basically described it as like if Hollow Knight was in 3D and had occasional Zelda dungeons, like it would pretty much be this. And like, that's a pretty strong pitch. Uh, and he yeah. really liked it. You know, he gave it an eight, obviously. And and yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm really, really interested in trying this myself. So I'm looking forward to doing that this weekend. Cool. I also think Brendan's been working on a wiki for Blue Fire as well. So if you pick it up and need some help, you can always uh, check that wiki for Blue Fire. So we just talked about Cultus Simulator, Canarium, Haven, and Blue Fire all out this week. But now we're going to tell you about what we are currently playing, which is actually not a whole lot of the things that are out this week. <laughs> Seth, why don't you start a, start a, out? Start us well, out. Well, uh, I've been playing a little classic game called 
Contra. Again? Yeah, played every Friday night. I beat it every, it's like a thing I do now. I just, I play it every Friday night and uh, yeah, I love Contra, but I don't so actually the, play the it. NES one. Uh, yeah, the I don't actually play this cart. I play it on the Contra collection, which I got. I've mentioned every time I got it on sale. It was four ninety nine, and if you ever find that at full price, you should get it because it rules. And then, for all of you who have your uh, game industry podcast bingo cards handy, go ahead and cover up the I've been playing a game I can't talk about. Oh, well. oh. yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know well, there's, there's something, something on. There's I was something just going to say there is something to be said about playing and beating the same games over and over kind of like the same thing about watching the same tv shows and reading yeah. the same books your brain really likes it when it knows what's going to happen and it gives you that like little little serotonin uh yep. for for doing stuff correctly all the time and it's really easy to do that when you know it's coming <laughs> it's stress reliever yeah sorry perry what were you gonna say no, no, no. I, w- I, w- I was going to make a really stupid hint as to what Seth is playing, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, you're going to get me in trouble. I'm not that, I'm not oh, that brave. I'm going to yeah. Dan, and then Dan's going to bring the thunder. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure educated guesses can be made, but exactly. who knows? Maybe it's a new Contra. It's not. I'm lying. Casey, <laughs> why? No. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Pear, what have you been playing? now. <laughs> I, uh, I, the, the Little Nightmares 2 demo dropped on pretty much every console ever made um, last month, and I've been meaning to catch up with it. So I played a bunch of that on the Switch. Um, uh, it's, uh, the Switch version is, is nice. It's, it's definitely, we talked about resolution scaling. It's definitely um, a little blurrier than the other versions, and they removed some of the yeah. kind of cool particles, like flies buzzing around and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But it looks very pretty because this, this, Game series is so atmospheric, right? It's all about that kind of hazy look and like the the light and darkness, the the lighting. Um, if you have never played Little Nightmares, it's a, you know it's similar to games like Inside, where you're ex- you have kind of a limited range of motion inside these environments, and you're basically solving puzzles and uh, figuring out how to progress through the story. And it's got this really cool, creepy vibe. Um, it's uh, I I think it's really cool. It comes out. Um, on February 11th, so we've got uh, a little bit of time left. But um, if you're looking for a, a nice, possibly not super long, uh, cool atmospheric adventure game, um, check out the demo. Uh, it gives you a good idea of what the the game is overall. Um, and then uh, also, I, I I was curious to see how Immortals um, ran on the Switch. So uh, Immortals is one of those games in my back catalog that I'll eventually play. Uh, on one of the uh, on the next generation consoles, not on the Switch, um, because it, it it is obviously more pretty there. But it's um, it the Switch version is pretty good. I was impressed by what I saw. You know, it's like uh, it obviously doesn't run super smooth like the others, but it um, it feels like uh, a Ubisoft Breath of the Wild, which is funny because Breath of the Wild took some Ubisoft elements um, <laughs> from the Assassin's Creed series. So. Uh, the only thing that annoys me is the kind of the voice acting and the the writing a bit, but um, especially after Hades did that world so well. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a it's a really fun Breath of the Wild like um, from from what I've seen. And then finally, I I finished Grindstone again. I finished it on iOS and I finally finished the Switch version. It took me fifty five hours. Oh wow! Because I did all the I did all the side paths and everything, but it's just it's such an amazing value, such a great puzzle game, and I talked about it a ton before. So <laughs> I need to play it. I'll just do it. Good. I'll get Good. it. I'll talk about it next week. 
<laughs> so yeah, definitely need to play this. Do you want to mention moving out or? Oh, I, I yeah, no, I, it's just <laughs> my 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 boys looked all bored. I said, let's play a game, and so we booted up the Switch. I didn't want to play Smash Brothers because they beat me. Uh, so I, I started moving out again, and I forgot how good moving out is. It's such wonderful chaos, such a wonderful family co-op game where, you know, you're moving furniture out of houses and you have to work together like two people have to carry a, a sofa or you have to, like, toss things over a pool in order to get it out quickly or catch animals and load them on a truck and they keep on jumping off. And it's just it's just a wonderful game for parents playing with, with kids. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just... Sometimes you do a really, really terrible job and, uh, and, and it's still fun and you're still having a great time. <laughs> Tom, what have you been playing? Uh, I was still playing Persona 5 Strikers, which I still can't talk about quite yet besides my initial impressions of that from a week or two ago. Uh, and then still playing Stardew Valley uh, on and off, but still doing that. And it's been fun to be back in that world. Um, and then also another world that I've been jump jump back into recently was Minecraft. Oh. Um, oh wow! Yeah, a couple of my friends just like randomly bought one of the Minecraft Realms servers, which is just like you just pay for a free yep. hosted server, base or not free, uh, like a hosted server that can just be open anytime to you. That's private. Um, and it like I I played a ton of Minecraft a long time ago. Like I was crazy into that game and this saturday like something happened to me where like my brain went back to that time and i just like mind all day so good. just all day that game holds up and yes. and enough has changed over the years that like there were things i wasn't recognizing but fundamentally it was still the same in a lot of ways but also it was very fresh in a lot of other ways and it it, it is still such a it is still like the pinnacle of that sort of genre that a lot of people have tried to copy and done so really well in a lot of times but man minecraft is still just like there's a so reason good. it's one of the best-selling games in the world right like it is, it is the best-selling game uh in the world well right like it, it it is immensely popular for a very good reason and and i think it really does it's a very fun game still and maybe that's the nostalgia talking Tom, <laughs> no, no. have you have you played dragon quest builders 2 yeah yeah dragon quest okay. Builders 2 is great it's a very good game. It's a different yeah. It's a different feel, right? Like it is mm -hmm. a Minecraft knockoff to a certain or like copy to a certain extent, but like it does so much of its own thing. It is a it, as our great review uh said, it is it is really an RPG, right? Like that yeah. game feels like an RPG. It has an RPG story, it has RPG progression, and then the building is kind of like the structure that that RPG fits into. And yeah, Dragon, I, I can't recommend Dragon Quest Builders 2 enough if you are into either Dragon Quest games or building games like that. I think it, it does both very, very well. Hmm. Well, I, I, I want to play more Dragon Quest Builders 2. There are so many games I wanted to play this year, last year, more of that I wasn't able to. And now that I can kind of play more games again, I'm playing new stuff instead i don't really know how to balance my time well <laughs> like i i'm i want to i still haven't finished persona 5 i want to play more dragon quest builders 2 there's a bunch of monster Hunter world content that i didn't finish because the last the last time i actually played a game was arc tempered Nam namiel in monster hunter world before just a couple of weeks ago don't worry everybody wow. i understand what that means <laughs> mm -hmm. 
appreciate it, Tom. <laughs> so there's a I was going to go. I was going to go. What? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But now that I'm back into it, I got Monster Sanctuary, Sanctuary and I'm really liking it. So now I'm playing Monster Sanctuary and uh, also Smite. My friends are playing Smite again. I am a, a, wow. a creature, very easily peer pressured. And uh, when they say they want me to play Smite, I play Smite. And <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of Smite again. Um, and I'm really glad that Smite is. I actually played with a bunch of people who are playing on the Switch. So it is free to play. It is available on the Switch, which is very cool. And we were able to play without a whole lot of issue, um, which was neat. But nice. I know I talked slightly about monster sanctuary last maybe two weeks ago yes yes two weeks ago but the more i play the more complex it gets and the more difficult mm -hmm. it gets as well kind of the first and it is very metroid like where you have to capture new monsters and find new equipment in order to open up new areas of the map which is really cool. So there are some like small puzzles that you have to figure out as well. Like you have to get a monster that will leave a rock on a switch, but then you also need a monster that will push a block onto another switch. So you can simultaneously have both switch hit so you can go and open a door somewhere else and et cetera, things like that. And also the further you get, the more difficult it gets as well. So you have to start really thinking about your strategies with your monsters because it's very important to get your battle ranking up after every battle. There's a score you get every time you battle a monster. And the higher the score, the more likely you'll get rare items and better money. And one of those rare items is potentially a monster egg. And like I just said, you need those monster eggs to potentially open up more areas of the map. So you really need to take into consideration your strategy when playing. You can't just like mash the attack button and, and win eventually. You have to really think about it or you won't get that high score, which I really like in RPGs because it really... It takes the mindlessness out of turn base entirely because you have to think in every battle, even if it is just some jerk you've beaten 10 times before, you still want to do well to get those rewards. And then if you get too many monster eggs, you give them to the monster sanctuary and they add it to their army and then you get rewards from that. So there's a lot of thought put into this that really makes the RPG element so much fresher and takes it doesn't feel like you have to grind when you're grinding because you're getting so many things besides just the levels and skills. And speaking of skills, there are different skill trees for every single monster, but you can reset those skill trees whenever you want with an item that's moderately priced. So there's a lot of different things you can do and experiment with. I'm really enjoying it. Highly recommend. I think uh, it's even... Yeah, no, right? And I think you can... I think it's free right now on Xbox Game Pass. What? Really? So, Sweet. I have that. Definitely think it's worth checking out. <laughs> and like I said, and I wonder, did did I don't even know if IGN reviewed Monster Sanctuary. If I keep playing it, maybe I'll volunteer to do that down the road. <laughs> but um Careful, we I'll also, do that. <laughs> I rescind I rescind my previous sense statement. But <laughs> I also have been playing I played more of the Monster Hunter Rise demo. As long as you downloaded it before february 1st you should still have access to it you just can't play online and if you run out of the amount of times you can play it you can actually reset that by deleting your save data and then playing oh, it wow. again so um oh. 
hot tip for you, which you nice. would know if you went and read my wiki pages on the Monster Hunter Rise demo. But um, yeah, I've still been playing that on and off uh, to build out the wiki because there's there's so much stuff in the demo that I can just copy over to the wiki now and don't have to wait to get the game for. So yeah, nice. very cool. That's uh, I'm very glad that I'm playing games again. I also played some Smash over the weekend, which is cool. So oh. I mean, that's that's kind of like, huh? You still winning? Yeah, I actually um, I, my first my first game with Corin that I I mean I haven't played in I almost a year now, and I won. I won my first my first two games with Corin, even though it's not even that's my right. main. So I feel pretty good. Mul- multiple <laughs> characters came out too. Well, I know, except for yeah. Ah, oh, there's so many. Yeah. I haven't I haven't played with Sephiroth. I haven't played with Steve. There's a, a lot of different characters and things to get used to. So <laughs> man, luck. Sephiroth is very scary to fight. So But you can yeah. you can tell from all of us sharing what we're playing that it, it's been it's been slow for Nintendo yeah. releases, right? Like a lot of uh, everybody's playing back catalog stuff, but February at least is looking a little bit bit better, right? We get we get Mario the remake with yep. You know, it's it's little add-on quest. So we get Bravely Default later in the month. Uh, what else? We got Persona the, uh, the, the weird Persona Five Strikers. We got Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. So there, you know, Nightmare Little Nightmares Two. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's some interesting stuff coming out. Yeah, there's a there's quite a bit now. So I don't know how to. I'm going to juggle all of this stuff and then still play my as often as my friends want me to. But <laughs> you know, I'll figure it out. So we just talked about games that we're playing, which includes Seth is playing Contra. And something that he can't talk about. Tom is playing uh, Persona 5 Strikers, Stardew Valley, and Minecraft. Pear is playing the Little Nightmares 2 demo, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Grindstone, and played some Moving Out, which is a recommended co-op game. And I'm playing Monster Sanctuary and Monster Hunter Rise, which I just mentioned. But let's move on to another game that we can play right now all together called Question Block. Yay! We actually... <laughs> I know, but we have so much time to play it, so let's do it. So this first question is from Eric Seats. He says, hello. First, a belated welcome back to Casey. Glad to hear your voice once again. I continue to play Animal Crossing nearly every day, and the panel's discussion last week got me thinking about why I haven't fallen off like most people. My brother temporarily moved home in spring through the summer while we could while he could work remotely, so we got big into Animal Crossing together along with our sister. We all share an island, and working on the island is such a community effort for us. And then he goes on to say that um, though Animal Crossing's holiday updates and events are nice additions, what keeps him coming back is the sense of community he and his siblings have created for themselves on the island, and that that has become an event in and of itself, and more so than just a game. So he wants to ask... When has a game extended beyond its traditional boundaries of a screen to become a social event in your lives? For me, Animal Crossing Pokemon Go come to mind. Thank you for that question, Eric. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perry, you can go ahead first if you want. No, I mean, for, for, for me, obviously, with three kids, whenever a big multiplayer game comes out... Mm-hmm. Um, those games tend to stick around for a long time smash for example nintendo land became this game for us when even whenever extended family was over like the cousins we'd bring out nintendo land and everybody's freaking out over it and then the one game that just became a schneider joel my 
my wife's family's uh, name extended family tradition was dr mario because it was like the one game that everyone including grandmas everybody could play and so we would always bust out one of the uh the four player editions and and play that game and so for us it's always the puzzle games animal crossing lingered for a while the boys dropped off really early but my daughter and i kept on playing we kept on trading stuff and doing stuff so i can totally see how you know when you have the family into it you can you can keep on sticking around yeah, the, uh, so I, I, my friends and I online will. This is P, more mostly PC focused, but like we play a lot of bad video games. <laughs> They're fun and generally free, or like a dollar, and like the, like it is so much more about the community. And and some of these games are good that I'll list, but like we play a lot of golf with your friends. That's actually a really great game, but like. That game is less fun if you're just playing it solo, right? It's so much more about playing it with people. Um, we play this prop hunt game called Witchet that is really fun with people, right? We play, um, God, there's so many I could be listing right now. It's kind of hilarious how many, like, just weird random games that we play together. And, like, uh, oh, this one called Shotgun Farmers. It's like an FPS where you're using crops, and if you shoot the ground, it plants a seed to grow more of that gun. <laughs> it's like very silly stuff like that. We played this one first-person shooter called Projectile Dysfunction, where <laughs> all of your guns are like physicsy and wobbly at the end, so like you can't aim well at all. And it's like by the extent of like, is it a like a good fps like no it is not a good first person shooting experience but like with friends it is super fun and kind of has been like something that we might come back to right like i think that the, there's a huge 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 amount of value in that and i'm not casting shade on animal crossing saying it's one of those bad games i'm not making that comparison at all it's just like i totally get that vibe of like when you're working together with people or you have a consistent thing that is with other people like it can elevate a game that has a nugget of something to be a lot more than the sum of its parts. And I, I, I totally vibe with that. Yeah. There's, there's a reason why I, I keep going back to smite and put instead of playing all these new single player games I've been wanting to play for years. And that's because I'm getting a social, there's a social aspect to it. I'm getting on voice chat with four of my other friends and all playing together for a couple of hours. And of course, we talk about more than just Smite while we're doing that. So it's kind of like having to choose between doing a social activity with my friends or doing just a, a, a video game by myself. So it kind of has that extra draw. So maybe I think Persona is a better game than Smite, but Persona, I can't play with my real friends, even though, you right. know, like all of all of those uh, like Mona and everyone is great. But, you know, they're not they're not real. So <laughs> don't break my heart that way. I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> Seth, what about you? I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I have a group of friends and we play every year, whichever the whenever the new Call of Duty comes out, we start playing that. We used to play PUBG for a lot. We were that was kind of like our, we, we have a squad. We're called the Beef Lords. We would get together <laughs> and just play PUBG for hours and hours. And, then you know, especially since I moved to the town I'm in now like three or four years ago, and I still don't really know anybody here. So it's like, I don't have any real life friends. They're all back where I used to live. So all my friends are virtual. 
So yeah, like basically any any multiplayer game that I can play online. Like right now, it's Call of Duty. Um, it'll, and in the fall, it'll be the next Call of Duty. I get on with this very dedicated group of friends, and we play. We used to play Apex Legends together. It's like I, I guess I like shooting guns and and talking smack with the, <laughs> with the Beef Boys. <laughs> I am. Um... I have a, a lot of different experiences like that. I know I just brought up Smite, but Pokemon Go was huge as well. I mean, it, I felt mm. kind of like a teenager again because that summer we would all go on our on skateboards and skateboard oh, around the neighborhood. Cool. It's like, yeah, a bunch of like mid 20 somethings like <laughs> skateboarding around playing Pokemon Go. But um, Monster Hunter on the PSP was a big one for me as well, because mm. I mean, it was something that we could do in person at the time, even though it it had the most terrible ergonomics of all time ever. It was just literally the worst, probably gave me wrist problems when I was, you know, 15. But that's besides the point. What was the point is that we would all get together in a room and hunt with our PSPs. And actually, my friend, one of my best friends likes to bring this up a lot. I had a folder where I had made spreadsheets of every single monster's weakness and um wow. areas on their body which was weak and which was um resistant and to which elements and everything so basically i was doing wiki since i was in high school wow. for just me and my friends destiny. <laughs> destiny destiny but that was that was the thing it was a, it was a social thing we would get together every day after school or over the summer and i'll hang out and play monster hunter for hours and i really i really like that aspect of video games i like that it can continue that tradition going on now especially now that we can't really get in person but we can still yeah. have that social aspect that is still an event in our lives to like hang out that's a big online. reason why i play contra every friday night not just because i can beat it but because that was like the game that we always played when i was a kid and we had sleepovers <laughs> we played through contra before we did anything else <laughs> that's so much fun it is <laughs> So this, thank you so much again for the question, Eric Seitz. Great question. And the next one is from AJ Wagner. And they said, hello, Super Nintendos. With this never ending quarantine, I've recently begun playing through games in Nintendo franchise that I have never finished before. I've made it through all of Zelda, Super Mario, Star Fox, and now I'm finishing up Yoshi. I just finished up all the franchises. I know, right? Right? Mm. Right? Right? Including including Star Fox 2? Yeah, right? Like, what? Nice. They said they just finished up Yoshi's Woolly War World and found myself complete compelled by all the shiny collectibles to hit 100% completion. I don't always 100% games, but there are a few that do make me want to go that extra mile. So my question is this. What is your most recent or perhaps favorite game to obtain 100% completion? And what made you want to finish it to that level? Thank you so much for reading, and I love the show. Oh, excuse me. I was going to say, the most recent game... That I 100% completed wasn't that recent, but it was Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow for the Nintendo DS because that game friggin' rules. And not only did I get 100%, I went back through and kept playing so that I could get every entry in my bestiary um, because that doesn't count towards your 100% score. Man, I am really full of regret right now because I'm realizing when I went on my <laughs> eBay purge, that was one of the games that I sold. Oh off. no. So, yeah, well, whatever. I know that. that konami if you're listening uh we, the news came out today that you're very successful as a business if you want to be more successful release that collection the ds collection of castlevania games because man donna sorrow donna sorrow might Those actually so be good. the best might actually be the best castlevania game like i think it's better than, better than uh, symphony i think yeah i think it really is it's it's phenomenal it's so good love that game 
So I, I agree with you. I, I I remember when they when the Game Boy Color ones came out and we just couldn't see the graphics because the thing didn't have a, a yeah. backlit screen. Remember that? Yeah. But even then, like uh, the the handheld Castlevania games were so good, and it's time they come back. Yeah, Dawn of Sorrow is also from that wonderful generation where all the games had to their subtitles had to be DS. Yes, yeah. that's right. So we're running. You just we are quickly running out of time. So real quick, Tom, what is a game that you have? Run hundred percent. Uh, I don't like hundred percent in games generally. Like, I just don't feel comp- uh Same. I don't know why, but something about Hades made me want to get every single end codex entry finished, every single prophecy done, every single uh bond made, every single everything I could do in that game. And I didn't quite do every every everything, but I did do every prophecy, every achievement on Steam. Like, I went pretty all out on that game and it was just i honestly could not tell you what made me want to finish it to that level it was just something where i was like man i i really want to have done this with this and that's something that doesn't usually happen to me with games huh what about you pair for me most recent to complete 100 percent was grindstone but uh that game has a, a daily mode so you can keep on, on playing where, where it changes like a daily challenge but yeah usually um I I 100% the kind of classic Zelda games where the uh, you know the kind of biggest objective was to get all the heart pieces or the the heart containers um pieces of heart um but with Breath of the Wild when you got the Koroks entering the picture I was like screw this right yeah. too many <laughs> yeah, little nah. things that ultimately get you what poo um, yeah. And so that's my approach now with a lot of the big open world games where I try to complete all of the story driven quests and the major collectibles. So like Ghost of Tsushima, I got pretty much everything and uh, the platinum, but I didn't do like the some of the, the little things you can still collect. And Miles Morales before that, I, I completed that one. Oh, wow. I... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm with Tom. I don't I don't generally 100% games, especially now. A lot of it is uh, random, like Monster Hunter World. A lot of those things are just by chance. But I did 100% Majora's Mask, and I 100%ed uh, Zoid's Battle Legacy on the GameCube. Uh, I don't have time Who to get wouldn't? into that now. Who wouldn't? <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, that is about all the time we have left for this week for NPC. <laughs> so I will not be getting into that. But to submit your own questions to Question Block, you can write to us at NBC at IGN.com or respond to our weekly Question Block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can get the Zoids. <laughs> Zoids? <laughs> Amazing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.